young people are already where they need to be, so uh, we won't transition them anymore. They don't waste any time. Well, welcome to New Life on this Resurrection Weekend. As we look to the expectation of Easter morning and the celebration of great 50 days of Easter. As we look tonight at the resurrection, I uh, encourage you to turn your Bibles or open your Bible apps to John chapter 20. It won't be on the screen. So follow along if you have your Bibles. John chapter 20, the story of the empty tomb. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone had been taken away. She ran to Saint, uh, Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running there, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Following behind, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloth lying there. He also saw the face cloth lying that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand what the Scripture had said about Jesus rising from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look inside. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. As soon as she said this, she turned around, and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go tell my brothers and my sisters. Tell them I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left the tomb and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he had said to her. God bless the reading of the gospel tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather on this holy weekend. During this holy week where we spend a little bit of extra time thinking, reading, praying, pondering the great mystery of our faith. Help us approach this Easter season with expectation, but also understanding of the truth of the resurrection, the impact of that has not only for us, but for all people everywhere. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. There is a 
Greek myth. There's lots of Greek myths. You're probably familiar with quite a few of them. But there's a Greek myth that I particularly like, and you probably are familiar with it in one way or the other. It's the myth of the phoenix. You're familiar with phoenixes. Not just Arizona, right? But the bird, an ancient mythological bird, often red and orange and yellow and beautiful in its splendor. And the myth of the phoenix goes that as the phoenix ages and eventually dies, Something miraculous happens and the phoenix rises again. Some claim that when the phoenix dies, it explodes in a fireball, in flames, and then it dissolves into ashes. And from those ashes, a new bird arises. It's the same bird. It's the same phoenix, but it's new. Beautiful. The Harry Potter books, obviously, and then the... I don't know which movie it was in, but one of, one of the books, Fox the Phoenix, there's this beautiful scene in the movie where he dies and Harry gets all concerned because he just dies and then the little bird rises from the ashes. And that's the idea. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And ancient people used it to understand the sun, to understand how things died and then regrew. And often this idea of the phoenix was moving through how people understood the cycle of life death and we would say resurrection but as fantastic as that story is i don't think the majority of us sitting here tonight believe in phoenixes that they actually exist they're actually birds maybe a few of us do but the majority of us probably don't because it's kind of fantastic it's kind of amazing right but as amazing as that is as strange as that is as mythological as that is what we believe happened on easter is even more amazing. It's even more fantastic because the resurrection that occurred was not just metaphorical, it was all-encompassing. Physical, spiritual, real, and much more impactful than a story. So tonight I want to talk about the reason for the season. We talk about that with, with Christmas, right? But I think we need to talk about it with Easter especially. Just as an aside, I heard the reason, you know, Fox did this, uh, I, I did not see it, so I can't comment on it one way or the other. Um, the Passion, it, Tyler Perry hosted it, it was on Fox. I don't know if anybody saw it, good or bad or anything else, but uh, I just read today, actually, that the reason that they did that, the producer of that was a Dutch um, filmmaker, and the reason he did that was because 25% of the Dutch population doesn't, or only 25%, excuse me, only 25% of the Dutch population knows what Easter is really about. That's why he did it. So good or bad or anything, that's a good reason to do it. And so do we really know what Easter is about? Do we really know what the resurrection is about? So that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the resurrection. We say it. We talk about it. We sing about it. We're going to sing about it a lot tomorrow at Sherlin. Sung about it tonight already. We're going to continue to sing about it tonight here. Going to go to Newsboys here in a couple months, and they're going to sing about it, right? Turn on K-Love, and they're singing about it. But what is it? What did it look like? What's it mean? These are things we need to answer. If we're going to say, you know, Easter is about more than the Easter Bunny. Okay, what is it about? It's about the resurrection. 
So first we need to ask, what is the resurrection? And we need to start with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's our starting point. That's our go-to point. What was the resurrection? What was the resurrection? So looking at Jesus Christ, we know this. We know that he was born, that he was human, that he lived life, and that the final week of his life, he was scourged, which means he was whipped. He was tortured. He was nailed to a beam, a cross beam, in his hands and in his feet. My father talked about that last week. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head, and he was suffocated to death on a cross and then pierced through the side with a spear He was taken down, and he was laid into a tomb, and he stayed there for three days. Why did I go over all of that? Well, it's important for a number of reasons, but it basically tells us that he was dead, and that's important. Now, you know, you could argue, well, you know, he was fine, and then he just, you know, got back. I don't know if any of us could have lived through what Jesus lived through and then that you know sat on the stone slab for three days and didn't bleed out and die even if he was alive which clearly the bible says he was dead on the cross so the evidence is fairly clear at least from scripture he was dead they laid him in a tomb three days passed something happened he was resurrected he was not resuscitated he was not um uh reincarnated He was not reanimated, right, like Frankenstein or a zombie. He was resurrected. And what did that look like? Well, he had a body. We know that. He had a body. He was physical. I love what he says to Mary. Mary, don't hold on to me. What's that imply? She was holding on to him. She could touch him. She could feel him. He had a body. He was physically, bodily resurrected. We know that the stories, you know, there's there's so much we don't know about when it comes to our faith. There are so many mysteries. We don't know really what happened on the cross. We know Jesus died and we know why he died and we know what that means for us. But we don't know the mechanics of it. We call that atonement. We don't know how that action truly saved us. Now, we have theories and a lot of good theories, but we don't quite know exactly Because it's kind of a mystery. It's cosmological. It's God stuff. We're probably never going to figure it out. We have some good theories, some bad theories, some everything in between. But we know a lot about the resurrection. We know a lot about the resurrection. (coughs) Excuse me. Jesus had a physical body. Now here in these passages, Mary turned around and saw him. She didn't recognize him. Mary Magdalene, perhaps the person who loved Jesus the most. Mary gave everything to Jesus because he gave her everything. She didn't recognize him. The disciples who walked on the road to Emmaus in Luke didn't recognize him. He taught them for hours and they walked with him on hours. They didn't recognize him, so he looked different. But yet he was the same. And he said, Mary, and she knew who he was. He broke bread with those disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they knew who he was. He ate. He drank. Spirits don't do that kind of stuff, right? The dead don't do that kind of stuff. He ate. He drank. He had wounds. 
from his life. It's interesting. I think there's a lot you can do with that. Remember, he appears to Thomas, and Thomas says, let me see the holes in your hands. So he shows it. There was wounds from his life. Now, the wounds Jesus endured for us, a lot bigger than the most of the wounds that we endure in this life. So I don't know what that will translate to our resurrection, but it's important. He appeared behind closed doors. Remember, the disciples were locked in a room hiding, and he appeared to them. How did he do that? Was he a spirit? I don't think so. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says he had a body. He ate, he drank. You could touch him. You could feel him. How did he do that? Well, I know about four X-Men that can do that. I'm not sure what that says about the resurrection, but <clears throat> they're not ghosts or spirits. That's fantasy kind of stuff, right? But we don't know. We, we've unlocked so little potential of our human capability. Think about just the Olympics, right? From the original Olympics until today, every year new records keep getting set. How is that even possible in, you know, arguably hundreds of years that we've been keeping records for this? How can people run faster and faster and faster? I mean, they're just running. How can they do it better and better and better and better? Because we keep unlocking our potential. You know, we use so little of our brain. We use so little of the mass of our brain. We don't know what's potential. We don't know what perfect humanity looks like. But it's pretty spectacular. The things Jesus could do in life were pretty spectacular. The things Jesus could do post-resurrection were amazing. Appearing behind closed doors is just the tip of the iceberg. And then he ascended into heaven. He did not die. This is important. He did not die. He ascended into heaven. Once he was raised from the dead, he did not die again. He had conquered sin. He had conquered death. So Jesus' resurrection, that's kind of the picture that we have. He was really there. And he was new. But he was him. New body. Same person. But real. And so we, I, I, I think most of you, I would, I would, you would ask, well, do you believe in the resurrection? Yeah, right? I believe in the resurrection. You know, you know the song. We're, we're going to pray the Apostles' Creed um, in response to this. And, and, and you have that first part of the Apostles' Creed. You know, I believe in God and that stuff. Uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, who was conceived by the Virgin Mary, suffered in Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. He was really dead. On the third day, he rose again. We believe that. Sure, he was resurrected. But then what's that mean for us? The Apostles' Creed goes on to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Roman Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. Are they talking about Jesus' body? No, we already did that in part two. You think the, the founders of our Christian faith, the, the uh, forefathers and mothers, I mean, of our Christian faith repeated themselves? You know, oh, just in case, do you really believe in Jesus' resurrection? Well, let's put that in there twice. No, they are saying, do you believe that you will experience bodily resurrection and life everlasting? They wanted to affirm that. Not only do we believe in Jesus' resurrection, but we believe in our personal resurrection. And so we need to talk about that. We need to talk about what does it mean for us to proclaim, not just, yes, Jesus Christ died, he rose again, and he will come again. But what's it mean for us to say, yes, I believe in the resurrection of the body, in my body, 
in my person, in my life? Well, I think it means two things. It means something for the hope of our future, but it also means something for the reality of our present. So it is this dichotomy between a future reality and a present reality. So I want to talk first about this future hope. Uh, And and this is probably what you're maybe more uncomfortable with, less uncomfortable with. I I really don't know. I guess it depends on you. But we believe, and all Christians believe and have believed for 2,000 years, that there will be a resurrection of the body of all people. That our spirits and our flesh are not somehow separable but we are one we are i'm mark that's who i am who i am this is my stuff right and it's not changing i don't got to get rid of it just because i don't like it this is who i am and if i want to change it i have to change and when i die and i believe experience resurrection i'm going to be different but i'm still going to be me And all the stuff that Jesus experienced, I'm going to experience. I might look a little bit different. I might carry wounds from my life. I might be able to go behind closed doors like Kitty Pride. That's an X-Men. Kitty Pride, Shadowcat. Okay, Nightcrawler, I guess, if you want to be more popular. Really dig in the well there, right? I'm really looking forward to that piece of it. But you'll be able to eat and drink. You'll be able to touch, feel. Don't be some floaty spirits, right? You'll be real like Jesus, resurrected. Do you believe that? Does that challenge you? Paul says, as he's on trial, and he's on trial for this, get this, he's on trial before Rome for his belief in the resurrection. Okay? So it's been controversial for a long time. Paul says, the hope that I have in God I also share with my accusers that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul goes far to say everyone's going to get resurrected. What happens then is another story, but everyone's going to get resurrected. There will be a resurrection of all people, all people in the end. Our song, Revelation, song paints a picture of that day. I don't know if you get that. It paints a picture of that day in Revelations. It's confusing and all kinds of good stuff. But it paints this picture when every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. And Revelations 21 says this a little later than what we were talking about in our song. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the former heaven and the former earth had passed away. Did you get that? Passed away. They're gone. There's a new heaven and a new earth. I think the new heaven thing is a lot more interesting. But there's a new heaven and a new earth. And the sea was no more. That's interesting. The sea was no more. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, made ready as a bride made beautiful for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is here with humankind. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne 
will say, I am making all things new. Wow. Wow, that's great. That's that, you know, eschatological stuff we talk about, that someday. Now, we don't know. We can talk about, okay, well, what happens when I die? Uh, Again, that's a little bit more of a mystery. And all kinds of different people have thought all kinds of different things about that. The founder of our church believed that when we died, John Wesley, believed that when we died, we were with God in paradise till the day of the resurrection. He gets that from the conversation Jesus has with the uh, thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise, right? John 14, I am coming to get you. If it weren't so, would I say in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Okay, he gets that from that kind of, and that's kind of where my theology falls. Martin Luther, the head of the Lutheran church said, when you die, you go to sleep, you wake up on the day of the resurrection. Yep, pretty cut and dry. Other people have believed other things. We don't really know. A lot of the stuff we kind of believe and show on TV, that's kind of popular in recent years. We don't know. You know, the, the dragonflies don't come down and talk to the water bugs. We had to read that for Alex. You know, when you become a dragonfly, you can't come down under the water and talk to the water bugs anymore. So we don't know what happens. But we do believe in a resurrection. And not just a resurrection of our bodies, but a resurrection of all creation. That the things that are broken will pass away and the things that are perfect will come together and be restored, be regenerated, be recreated, be renewed. And that is the hope we have for the future. And it is an important hope. Sometimes we say, well, you know, that's not really important. It's, we're here and now, you know, we really don't need to think about you know, that stuff. Life's pretty good, so, so why do we focus? You know, if, if, we're, if we're too focused on heaven, we're, we're, we're not doing any earthly good. We say stuff like that, and I agree with that a lot of the time. But that hope is important. And the hope of the bodily resurrection is important. Why is it important? It's important for all those people that live with loved ones who have gone too early. We just had a funeral in the Sherland area of a woman who was far too young and passed away. And so the hope of a future where she can be reunited with her family, where there will be no more tears, where there will be no more grief, that's important. For my friends who have been killed by drunk drivers and their lives were cut short, that's important. For my friends who have died from cancer too young, it's important. They didn't get to see their lives fulfilled. For those children born with horrible genetic disorders who don't get to live bodily life to its fullest, it's important. For those people who are hurt, crippled, maimed, mauled, and whose lives and bodies are torn apart in ways that they had nothing to do with, it is important to have a hope that one day their body will be restored, to be perfected to be made new. It's a hope for the future, but it's a hope. It's a hope for the rest of our world where so many people are just living in war-torn situations where they don't know if they're going to make it tomorrow. It's that hope of the martyrs of our church, the early church, where they didn't know if they were going to survive, but they said, Jesus Christ is Lord, they may get killed. It was the hope that kept them strong, that kept them going, that this one day Jesus Christ would come back and all people would share in his resurrection. That there would be a new earth. New bodies. 
Don't ask me if the cats and dogs get resurrected. I don't have a good answer to that. I hope so. Certain ones I'd, I'd like to pick. Truthfully, which ones come and which ones don't. Uh, well, well, like, you know, the mosquitoes. I'm not sure that they need to be resurrected. But or some of you might really like mosquitoes. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend anybody. They can be resurrected too, I guess. But what's that mean for us today? Because we believe that it is not only this future hope that we hold on to, but it is a present reality that we can experience resurrection today, that we can wake up tomorrow morning, that we can say, Lord, make me new, and God will create in us something new, that we can tonight, we can come to the table and we can say, Lord, make me new, and something new can be created, that we can remember our baptism, that we can experience baptism, that we can raise our voices, that we can go out for dinner, that we can make a decision tonight and every night, today and every day, to be new people, resurrected in eternal life. Paul says it like this in Romans, Therefore we were buried together with Christ through baptism, our baptism, into His death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. For if we were united together in a death like His, we will also be united together in a resurrection like his. Paul reminds us that the, one of the main reasons we participate in baptism is to memorialize, is to remember, is to cement in, in, in with a visual example that we have died to ourselves. And if we die to ourselves in Jesus Christ, we can be made new in Jesus Christ. That's why if you go get baptized in the river, right? Um, you know, you go under the water, you die, and then you come up with new life. It's really dangerous to do that with babies, so we don't generally do that. But the point is still the same. We remember in our baptism, we experienced this. We were buried together with him through baptism into his death on the cross so that as he was raised, we too shall walk in the newness of life. That's really the theme of our entire church. That's our theme scripture. Romans 6, 4. So if we're united in a death like His, we will be united in a resurrection like His. What does that look like? Can't walk through walls. <laughs> Not I can. I know maybe you can. Don't have any cool powers, really, right? Still got some wounds. Still have a body. It's Not always working for me real well. It's a little bit different than the final resurrection. But things can change. I can make better decisions. I can work on reprogramming myself. I get up every morning and I've been praying the Wesley Covenant prayer. Lord, make me new. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, lifted up by you or brought low by you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. I pray that every morning. Whatever you want, Lord, let me do that. So I know following you is better than following me. I need to die to my own will so I can follow your will because I know from personal experience when I follow Christ's will and I share in his resurrection, things go a lot better than when I follow Mark's will and I fall into death. It's not so good. 
But that's the struggle we do every day as long as we are alive. That is our struggle every single day. Do I choose to be someone of new life or do I choose to be someone of old life? And you've got to work on it. You've got to work on it every single day as long as you live. That's the process of salvation. That's the process of grace. That's the process of resurrection. But in Christ, it's possible. And in Christ, you know, it's not some self-help book. In Christ, it can happen, and it will happen, and the Holy Spirit will work and work and work. And even if you fall, and even if you falter, the Holy Spirit will work and work and work. And why is that important? Why can't we say, you know what? These bodies. I'm going to eat ho-hos and deep-fried Twinkies and die. Who cares? Who cares? What's, you know, why don't we just get it over with? Well, if Christ wanted us to just get it over with, there would have been no life now. He just would have come again and everything would have been made. But Christ has given us an opportunity to learn, to grow, to be people of new life because God believes we can do it. And that, that's really the bottom line of this whole story called the Bible, this whole story called salvation. God believes we can actually do it. Now, God came into the world and became one of us And did the hard work, the work of salvation. But then God has said, you know what? I'm going to give you some more time. And I believe you have the potential with me by your side, with me guiding you to make this place a better place. And so that's why the resurrection today is so important. It's important for all of those people who are suffering. Because we have the opportunity to walk alongside them and show them life. It's important for all of those people who face injustice because we have the opportunity to walk alongside them and fight for justice. It's important for all of those people who struggle with hunger and poverty and oppression because we can change those systems. Because we have the power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ's body of the church to actually change things in our world, to actually end hunger, to actually end poverty to actually end greed to actually bring the kingdom here today before christ comes again we could make it happen we have the power we have the ability we don't do it because we're selfish and we're jerks right that's what it comes down to because that takes me not wanting to do what i want and i like to you know spend lots of money and you know eat cheeseburgers and you know there's other things i like to spend my time on except for helping the poor and all that kind of stuff And we get obsessed with different things and we start to worship different things. But Christ says, you know what? You can do it. You can have new life and you can transform this world wherever you step, wherever you go. You can be a person of the resurrection and that resurrection can just just go wherever you are. And you can share that resurrection with with everyone you meet with everyone you know. And little by little, things can change and things can get better. And ultimately, the good news is Christ is coming back. And so Christ will, if things get too bad, Christ, Christ will fix it. And, and if things get really good, Christ will complete it. That's kind of my, that's not any particular, that's my philosophy, my theology. We need to work and do this because the more we do, the better that time's going to be. And the less we do, the worse that time's going to be the end time, which is my personal opinion. 
but I know that that's our call. Christ came to earth. You know, do you, do you, just, do you just understand that? God, who can do whatever God wants to do, came to earth, lowered God's self, became one of us, human, in all of our failings and weakness and hurt and pain and suffered more than any of us and was hurt more than any of us and then was, was killed, murdered, executed. But, but God did that for us to give us this opportunity to share in this, to be new people. Not only to experience resurrection someday, but to experience resurrection every day. As long as we live and then after. I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Life abundant, life eternal. Today, tomorrow, always. It's pretty great. So that's what the resurrection is. The resurrection is, it's real, it's bodily, right? It's like Jesus. We believe Jesus was resurrected. We believe we'll be resurrected. We believe that's going to happen someday. We believe it can happen today. And Jesus reminds us, he, you know, he, he comes up to Martha. Um, Martha's, Martha's dealing with the loss of her brother. Her brother died, Lazarus, right? And her, her and Jesus have this little thing. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Hear, hear that. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me. We have to live, right, today. And we have to believe for tomorrow. We will never die. And Jesus asks her, do you believe this? I think you probably know what Martha's answer was. <laughs> she, she said the right answer, in case you were wondering. That's why we still talk about her. She understood it. But I want to end today thinking about that question. Do you believe? We're going to say it here in a couple minutes. I believe in the resurrection. But do you? Do you believe in the resurrection? Yes, do you believe Jesus rose from the dead on the third day? That's what we're celebrating today, tomorrow, 50 days. Do you believe that? Do you believe that one day you will be resurrected? Now, you can believe a whole spectrum of what that will look like, okay? We don't know. It's not happened yet. Do you believe that? Do you believe one day Christ will come again and there will be a resurrection? We will share in his resurrection. And do you believe you can experience resurrection today, tonight, in the next 10 minutes, in the next hour, the next 50 days? I'll give you 50 days. Can you experience it? Do you believe? Do you believe in the resurrection? Amen. I hope the answer is yes. Because <laughs> I'm going to make you pray the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> not going to make you. I'm going to offer the opportunity for you to share in the Apostles' Creed and affirm those things we do believe that Christians have believed for centuries, for millennium of all of our denominations and all of our differences, whether we believe in predestination or 
the free will of all men, whether we believe you need to be baptized as an adult or an infant, whether we believe that you can sit on the right side or the left side of the church, or if you should have pews or chairs or rock music or hymns. There are some things we all agree upon. And most of these things are those things. So let us pray the beliefs contained in both the Old and New Testament and the faith and tradition of our forefathers and foremothers as we pray together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now move into our prayers of the people, remembering that there are a lot of people who need to hear the hope of a resurrection someday, and there are a lot of people that need us to experience resurrection today so that their lives can be better now so that their situations can be better now, so that our world can be better today. Let us keep all those prayers in mind as we pray for different groups of people. And as we do, I will pray and then I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you will respond. And then I will open for an opportunity for names and situations to be lifted up to God's care and mercy. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you once again for this wonderful opportunity to worship. We just pray for all of those who need to hear the hope of your resurrection, that one day they will be reunited with their loved ones, that one day their bodies will not fail them, that one day there will be new life and life forever. But we also pray for those who need to hear the good news today, that need systems and people and challenges removed so that they can live fully today, that they can have life today, that they can experience your love now forevermore. Lord, we pray for those closest to us, our friends, our family, the people we say day by day. We ask that you lift up all of them to your care. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for those who point us to Christ, the leaders of our church, preachers and teachers, Sunday school leaders, small group leaders, great mentors, men and women, grandmas and grandpas, friends, children, all of those who have reminded us who you are and who we are. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for all of those who lead us regardless of their affiliation, regardless of their status, regardless of their belief system, we pray for all of those in a place to lead. We ask that you help them 
lead us towards your kingdom in all that they do. Whether they acknowledge you or not, that they move us in a way that facilitates your kingdom and does not stand in its way. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for all of those who are weak and in need, those who suffer, those who are ill, those who have received bad news, those who live with bad news day after day, those who are broken, those who are isolated, those who struggle with addiction and mental illness, those who struggle with family crisis, work crisis, health crisis, those who live under oppression, who live in war-torn worlds, those who are refugees, those who are trying to escape, those who cannot. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for each and every one of us. We pray for our church, New Life, our sister church, Sherlin. We pray for our brothers and sisters at our parent congregation, Roscoe and Centennial and our friends at Rockton and our friends all over the greater Rockford area, all of our brothers and sisters, United Methodist, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, all those who proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord across the globe, that we may be one even as we disagree. We may still speak your truth and follow your Son, Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, we ask now that you come before your attention and your mercy and your grace any names that we lift up. We lift them up to your care now. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for these names and many others who have crossed our minds and our weeks and our hearts. Pray for those we've not named, but we may be put in place with. We ask that you lead us wherever we go, that we may be put in place to share your good news, to share your resurrection and share the newness of life, all available in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.